Only two undefeated teams remain, and while others kept their seasons alive, there's plenty to look forward to in week four in the NFL. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast for Week 4 of the NFL season. I'm your host, Ryan Lepore. Yes, unfortunately, we are a man down this week, but we've got a, a very good replacement in James Rosewarn, who's stepping in for Nick today. James, g'day, a friend of the show. Welcome back. Thanks, Ryan. And um, shout out to Nick, who's sick with Philly success. So. <laughs> well, that's probably why he's been near his deathbed, because Philly have been lights out in the first three weeks of the season. And yeah, poor Nick, we uh, we'll shout out to you, mate. Hopefully you feel better and you'll be back on deck next week because next week we get to about 20% of the way through the season. So we're going to have a look back at some uh, futures we made at the start of the season. And I know just chatting to you before this, James, you were quite quite bullish on the Philly Eagles. So no surprises to see them 3-0. and Yeah, nice to see them get, get rolling and... The, the, you know, like we said, the, the easy schedules really help and it will help for the rest of the season. But, they, they, you know, it's it's a, they couldn't have asked for a better start all around the place, offense and defense. Yeah, absolutely. Both sides of the ball humming there mm-hmm. for Nick Sirianni's side. Well, let's get into it, mate. Well, without further ado, we'll jump into some of the key talking points of week three. And off the bat, I think we have to go straight to the other undefeated team in the NFL, this time on the AFC side. And many thought it would be the Buffalo Bills after that incredible game in week three, and you would have thought it would be the Bills after that if you saw the stat line. But the Dolphins, they are look the real deal. They're they're three and zero. They've done everything they've asked of them, and another acid test for them this week against the reigning AFC champs. How do you think they're faring so far? Really good, like amazingly impressive, and they're suddenly a legitimate conference championship contender. I know five thirty eight's model has them about twenty eight percent chance of being the number one seed. Um, only reservation is going to be the health long-term of Tua, whether that stands up and also how much they're actually getting out on tape in terms of this offense. How much are they revealing to the rest of the league? You look at some of these more established teams like KC or Green Bay for that matter. And I think they're sort of just dipping their toe in the water. Whereas I just wonder how much are they putting out? How much are they, how much are they going to have left when it, when it matters a little bit later? So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's a really good point you make. I mean, they they have showed plenty of tricks early and, and all their stars have performed well. And, you know, the the big talking point out of that game is you hit the nail on the head is going to be the long-term health of, of Tour and if he can stay healthy because at the moment there's not a really a great backup to to come in and step into his shoes, not certainly like a Jacoby Brissett in the past for them. So, yeah, it's a real concern. And, and look, it looked pretty nasty, didn't it, last week when he was stumbling around. But they can see him bounce back this week off, albeit the short week, as they uh, take on the Bengals tomorrow morning our time. And I think their other super strength that we should cite is first-year coach Mike McDaniel in terms mm-hmm. of how sort of progressive and adaptive his game is. It's based on speed. It's based on nuance. Um, and I think that's – I don't think this is gimmicky per se. His track record was really established in San Francisco as well. And he's a perfect guy to have this Waddle Hill speed. There was a lot of concerns going in about whether, you know, he could operate with a non-traditional under-center quarterback. That's been fine as well. They're doing a heap of RPO and play-action yeah. stuff as well. So I love what – there was a great hire, and it's good to see because this is not a team that we've seen <laughs> we've had to really worry about at the top end of town in, in like, let's say, 20 years. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe more, 30 not since Marino. So yeah, it's good. 
It is good for football when the Dolphins are up and about, that's for yeah. sure. And another AFC team that uh, have been going well in, in front of the win-loss ledger are the Denver Broncos. Of course, plenty of talk uh, about them heading into this season. And, of course, a lot of it's been about the offense and the coaching of the Broncos. And let's just put it mildly, uh, Russ, he's not quite cooking yet, but uh, things <laughs> seem to be heating up slowly, slowly. The problem is in terms of how weirdly non-cohesive the game plan is to Russ's skill set. And we're seeing this on a week-to-week basis. Amazingly frustrating. Dead sort of run plays to start drives. They're the ranked worst in the league in terms of first down, in terms of football outs as DVO measurements on an offensive first down. So yep. they're just wasting these early opportunities. And it leaves them no choice but to make Russ cook and Russ improvise, which... You know, it's not a really beautifully conducive thing to the rest of the team. I don't know how much his offensive line would love playing with that style when Russ is just in his in his mode. So, to me, it looks like it's just a real mess, like an absolute mess. Thankfully, though, the defense is holding them in games as well. Oh, 100%. And, and they'd be nowhere without that defense at the moment. And, you know, very thankful to be 2-1. and one. And, and it's a huge game this week, as we'll, we'll get into a bit later, against their division rivals who haven't won a game yet. So the Raiders, it's a must win. Uh, staying in the AFC, and, and it's a good point and a good segue around that first down yardage. And, and another team that is just wasting downs on that first yardage situation is the Chargers. They find themselves in third and long more often than not so far this year. And it's the reason why they sit at one and two and, the last couple of weeks have been concerning. I know they were in a good position to beat the Chiefs before that pick six, and then it, it's kind of all ra- unraveled since since then. Obviously, Justin Herbert with the injured ribs, and now Rashawn Slater is going to be out for the whole year, which is a bitter blow for the Chargers, who, you know, Joey Bosa went off saw last week. We saw Keenan Allen obviously haven't played since since week one, and then there's other guys like Guyton as well. So it's it's just a mess in the in LA at the moment for the Chargers. You're dead right as well, Ryan, in terms of Denver 28th um, on first down in the league, uh, Chargers 30th. So it just gives you an indication of, you know, show me who you are on first down is often revealing who you are as a team. You know, what are you doing? You're being adventurous. Uh, You're sort of thinking outside the box. And, yeah, they're just – it's a lot of just just dumb, dumb stuff is happening with that team, you know. We were just talking a moment ago about Miami, and Miami are fifth in that stat. So Mm. just – it's an indication of of what's going on upstairs as well. So, yeah, massive concerns for the Chargers. And, and yeah, they're snake bitten in terms of these constant injuries, but it, it's happening again. And, and yeah, they they should get back on track and get back to twin two this week. But if they were to lose to the Texans this week, yeah, um, you know, alarm bells would be ringing absolutely. And a team that defeated them and Jacksonville Jaguars, who are leading that their division of the AFC South, while it's you know, not a very competitive division at the moment. The Jags are taking all before them and they've been really impressive the last couple of weeks under Doug Peterson and that defense looks pretty good. This is almost the story of the season as well, going to the sort of projections of the season. They're around 60, 70% chance of making the postseason now and about, you know, 50, 60% chance of winning that division among sort of, you know, uh, the analytics community, doing everything right, um, the Peterson connection with Lawrence is fantastic. And defensively as well, it's a really strong, aggressive front. And the secret source there is Devin Lloyd as a linebacker, rookie linebacker. I think he's second favorite for rookie of the year as well. I think he came in as a sort of 23-year-old rookie, like four-year college starter. 
Yep. Um, and he's just holding it down and allowing that sort of, you know, who was the first round pick from last, uh, number one pick. Trayvon Walker, yeah. Right there, Trayvon Walker go through as well. So it's it's set up really well, like, and long-term as well. This is a really young, now it's a smart team as well, and defence, they seem to have a lock together, so it's good. Yeah, yeah absolutely humming, and, and offensive weapons for really for the first time as well with for Trevor Lawrence and, and James Robertson continues to impress. He he's been amazing at, at the running back position for the Jags. And uh a good segue into the other team with a key running back who took all before him last year, but he's been a lot quieter this week, uh this year I should say, and that's Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. So they kept their season alive in a way. I know it's only early days, but only one team in the past 20-odd years have uh, started a season 0-3 and, and made the playoffs, and that was the Texans in 2018. So the Colts were staring down the barrel of an 0-3 start, somehow got it done against the Chiefs, who were their own worst enemy on special teams. But um, despite fumbles and constant sacks, Matt Ryan you know, got the job done and got his team his first win of the season. Yeah, I, I don't know how carried away I'd be with the whole indie project, to be honest. Yeah. You know, this is what five quarterbacks in five years. It just seems to be a franchise that doesn't quite know itself. I know Ballard is doing something kind of different in terms of how he's constructed this roster. To me, it's a little bit too finicky, to be honest. Um, and it, even there's a little bit of a smart arsey element with the way he's built this team. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the Rams in terms of Rams have gone heavy on that star power, the stars and scrubs type idea. He's gone for a heap of middle ground kind of stuff, which keeps them in the middle ground. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not over excited about the Colts. Clearly, um, and I think Jacksonville have already usurped them in that division. And Tennessee already had previously. This is yeah. this is the the thing. It's kind of that in a way still living off the Peyton Manning luck kind of era, which is long <laughs> gone now, and they're saddled with a really sort of big personality owner kind of pushed Wentz out. And I mean, clearly Wentz needed to go, but it was still ugly the way that was handled. Yeah. Um, it's a great win from last week. So that we can take that in for this week. And it's, it's a huge one again for the Colts who, who face those Titans that you just mentioned this week, who um, yeah, have a real shot at, you know, finding out who's a legitimate contender to the Jags uh, in that division now, I suppose. And some other issues for some other teams and this time in the NFC is, is the 49ers of course, who, who saw Trey Lance go down with a season-ending injury. Jimmy Garoppolo started okay against the Broncos and then really turned into a, a nightmare for, for Jimmy G, who who had that safety, of course, and then, uh, yeah, just got, got nothing moving in that second half. And another big injury on the offensive line, Trent Williams, probably the best in the game or one of the best, and he's going to be out for the next four to six weeks, which is a huge, huge hole for the Niners. They're going to have to really lean on that defense now to yeah. get them through this really tough period. I think it's their rank number three for DVOA at the moment. Nick Bosa is in that category of Michael Parsons as defensive player of the year candidate. It's that strong there. Whether it's enough to bridge it and keep the wins rolling in, not sure. Not sure. We'll come to that later in terms of the Rams game as one of the games of the week with yeah. implications. But yeah, I've got my concerns as well with San Fran. Well, I know we can probably touch on it quickly here, James. Is it, it just staggers me that they actually are going to start favourites in, in that game in, in, yeah. on Monday night. And for me, it just looks like a, a huge get-on for the Rams. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I, I actually liked Denver last week against San Fran. I know it was only yeah. squeezed it out very, very late in an extremely ugly game. 
Um, but yeah, they're not they're not blowing me away at the moment, um, San Francisco. And I think it's you know that they came into that season with so much, even with with the doubts around Trey Lance and everything like that. I think Kyle Shanahan carries so much weight, maybe mm. understandably within the football world, that we and they're one of those teams that we just everybody just lazily says, "Oh my God, the roster's so good, the roster's so good." I'm not sure the roster is that great, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and look, the way they've kind of been putting Debo Samuel through those schemes, and again, he looked like he he could have really got himself hurt last week where he, he got up very gingerly. Thankfully, he was okay, but it's not a really recipe for success moving forward. And it's certainly, um, Debo, you can see why he wanted to get paid because he ain't going to be in this league for too long if he's if he's running around getting crunched like he is and, and doing pretty much everything for that offense. Yeah, that's an awesome point. It really is because that doesn't seem sustainable to me whatsoever. Um, and it seems like, yeah, it's like your favourite appliance that you're, talking, you're just trying to do everything with. And, yeah, I just <laughs> I don't love it long term. But, hey, look, Debo was brilliant through the playoffs last year as well, yeah. wasn't it? So, and what they made the conference championship, so. Yeah, and we see that rematch, of course, on Monday Night Football to close out week four. And the team they'll be up against uh, and that defence of Aaron, Do- led by Aaron Donald, who recorded his 100th sack last week and, Obviously, will go down as one of the greats uh, of all time on on that defensive end. And and look, he's you know age doesn't seem to be slowing him down whatsoever so far this season either. He clearly right is the best defense defender of our let's say last 10, 15 years. Right, yep. like a complete game changer, game record on the other side of the ball. If if he was whisper like when I was on this pod last year, we we're talking about you know if he was an offensive player, if he was a quarterback, he, the world would be his oyster. He'd be a global name along the Peyton Manning, Peyton, Tom Brady type of thing. Yeah, just incredible, great personality as well. The way that we're able to build around him, it's a really smart franchise and a really brilliant player, transcendent player. And potentially someone that could be his, uh, you know, the apprentice to his heir there is is Micah Parsons and the Cowboys, who I know you mentioned just before. But that Cowboys defense, is it is it actually legit? They've obviously looked lights out in the last couple of weeks after some early season struggles, but albeit that was against a, a pretty incredible Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, essentially. And, and of course, you know, they didn't really allow the offense to get away on that occasion either. So... Yeah, the Cowboys' defense holding them in in good stead, and and obviously two and zero in the Cooper Rush era again, or three and zero if you count last year. <laughs> yeah, what's the stat? Something without Dak Prescott, the Cowboys all time are like fourteen zip or something like that, right. which is not a kind of stat that Dak would love to hear. But just on Micah Parsons, though, he's that kind of player, a la Aaron Donald, that mm. just changes everything for your defense and makes so many other players, whether it's Diggs. Whether it was uh, not Gregory last week, yeah, Demarcus Lawrence, DeMarcus Lawrence yeah, yeah. He, he had three or four sacks in the game himself, just just from yeah, Michael Parsons. That's it, exactly. Yeah, it's not going to come up on the stat sheet per se with Michael Parsons. I guess there'll be a couple of pressure elements in there, but no quarterback hits or sacks or anything like that happening. But his impact on the game, mm-hmm. it's just it's, it really is otherworldly, and it's going to keep the Cowboys semi relevant. Um. Yeah, so it's 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 huge. They can they can have that strut all season thanks to Micah. So it's great. Yeah, and and look, every chance they go three and one now with three wins on the trot, obviously yeah. against the division rival and the Commanders this week. But yeah, Micah Parsons has started the season incredibly, and 
right up the top of that defensive player of the year betting. And and the other thing about the Cowboys, or funnily enough about Micah himself, was that he was under, you know, quite questionable for this game against the Giants on Monday Night Football. And it would the game script would have completely flipped if if he wasn't out there. Not only that as well, it's sort of it makes you think the roster building aspect as well, just with the Donald comparison, both sort of mid-teen type picks. And whether it's because they haven't come in as sort of lights out production or necessarily at massive schools as well. Um, certainly not SEC type schools. Um, it, it maybe is going to make people think differently about that kind of reach and not pigeonholing just as a simple linebacker. Because my, Michael Parsons came in as, you know, a linebacker as such. But yeah, he's on the edge, he's coming through the middle, whatever, you know, he's an amazing player. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we might get into our week four preview shortly, but just before we do, as I mentioned off the top, we'll look ahead or look back on our uh, futures picks, uh, maybe at the uh, beginning of next week. It's uh, a mixed week for for Nick and I on the punt last week. We had some good ones and yeah, some not so good ones. We had um, the Ravens, the Rams and the Bengals all covering the line. We had an easy overs in the, in the Seahawks and Falcons game, but the Unfortunately, the lock of the week went down for the second week in a row, which which made us uh, fall to a one and two start. And that was the Bucks to cover against the Packers. And they had absolutely no right to be in that game right up until the end, the Bucks. They were disgraceful. And But, yeah, we also had some pretty poor results with the Chiefs, Giants and Saints all losing. But uh, we go again this week and we kick things off with an incredible matchup. And, uh, a reminder for all you NFL fans out there, you get an extra hour sleep this week. Well, not necessarily because your clock's just moved forward, but we'll be getting setting the alarm for 4 a.m. rather than 3 a.m. So all Monday morning games start at 4 a.m. But tomorrow at uh, 10.30 or just before uh, local time here in the Eastern Seaboard of Australia, it is the Miami Dolphins, the only undefeated team in the AFC, taking on the defending champions of the conference, the Cincinnati Bengals, who got their first win of the season. Bengals actually come in as three-and-a-half-point favourites in this one, and the total is 47.5. And I just can't wait for this matchup. It's going to be an incredible, incredible test here for the Dolphins and the Bengals as well, who are obviously looking to get their season back on track after having an easy win against the Jets last week. Um, it was a big difference that they actually kept the offensive line, kept Joey, Bur- Joey Burrow upright, and he duly delivered. He had... His season best performance with 275 yards, three touchdowns, and, and the defense showed up too. They sacked Joe Flacco four times. They had four turnovers. Look, the Bengals, if they can keep Joey Burrow safe from that really do- pretty dominant uh, Miami Dolphins front, I think that'll go a long way to deciding this game. But yeah, it seems like a, a good start for the Dolphins, who are obviously three and zero their first three and zero start since 2018, and they they look to be the real deal as we touched on at the top, James. Yeah, and I wonder with this line as well, if it wasn't, if Tua wasn't coming in with an injury cloud and if Miami weren't coming in off that sort of really, really intense game against Buffalo in the intense heat as well of South Florida, whether this wouldn't be a pick And I think that that sort of that number is being pushed in here to a, what, three and a half. I saw it got up to four as well at some point. Um, so it wouldn't be a play for me just in terms of that coaching matchup as well. I really like McDaniel, as I said before, and I'm still not sold on Zach Taylor and the whole Cincy mm. machine. There's still a little bit of a few sort of loose screws in that lineup. I want to see more consistency with the offensive line as well. Um, but yeah, it's early days and clearly Joe Burrow is an absolute freak. Um, 
but yeah, it wouldn't be a play for me in this. No, I'd have to lean to the Dolphins at that start for sure if I if I were to play in this yeah. one. But like you said, just question marks probably off that short break. And as you said, playing in those sweltering conditions, as we saw so many players cramping up, especially um, Stefan Diggs late in that game for the Bills. And we know how much the defense was out there for the, for the for the Dolphins. So how much impact they can have in getting after Joe Burrow is going to be a telling factor. But like you said, uh, an inconsistent offensive line makes it a a good stay out and a really interesting watch tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. Our time here in Austra- in Australia, so one to watch for. And the Bengals will be rocking um, their white all white uniforms, which look amazing. If you haven't seen them yet, cool. they look very cool. We move into a London game, which will be just after midnight here on Monday night. Uh, sorry, Sunday night slash Monday morning at 12.30. It'll be the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. Well, not at. They are the home team for this one, but it will be at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. And it's a huge com- uh, conference game here between the Vikings and the Saints who, uh, you know, the Saints need to get back to, to two and two and, and the Vikings coming off that come from behind victory at the Lions. Uh, the Saints, uh, sorry, the Vikings, I should say, are two and a half point favourites in this one with a total of 40, 43.5. What are your thoughts on this one, James? Two com- confounding teams. Minnesota ju- burst out of the gates in that first week. Justin Jefferson went crazy. They beat the Packers. It was massive. All of a sudden, everything was all pro Vikings. Had a horrible second week, second up run against Philly where they got smashed. And they just snuck over the line against Detroit, who for all intents and purposes, better over those four quarters last week. New Orleans as well, it's kind of, we're just starting to feel now the sort of the end of the Sean Payton era. And it seems a little bit like a dog's breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> they, you know, like I think I saw some stats before in terms of the they lead the league for intended air yards with uh, with Winston. So it's just this airing out, which is how sort of Winston was sunk in Tampa, if you remember. I think he threw for yep. five thousand yards that year. The same year he threw thirty thirty picks. Yeah. yeah. So I would have thought we would have had a lot more of a sort of dink and dunk, you know, using Chris Alave and then sort of Michael Thomas's hands and I don't know what's going on for Kamara anymore. And that defense, which for five years had been phenomenal is, you know, it's come back to the pack a bit. Um, so New Orleans, yeah, they're, they're, I'm just looking now, they're sort of mid table um, on defensive DVOA, which is not somewhere we've found them in recent times. Again, this is a hard, the line seems about right to me. It's probably going to come down to Jefferson. If we're going to get week one Jefferson, mini, mini win and cover. Um, but if they can sort of stifle him and then put it in Kirk's hands to sort of try and win it, it, it could get dark. Yeah, it's it's such a good call on, on that defense of the Saints. And like we said, we thought we'd probably see them in that top five or six of the of the league. And as you said, sitting sitting at mid table or mid mid um, you know right in the middle of the league, there is um, probably not where we expect them to mm-hmm. be. And that offense hasn't quite clicked. Uh, he obviously got them off the canvas and somehow won them the game in week one when they had had no right to win. So they could easily be 0-3, the Saints, who didn't really show anything against the, the, the Panthers last week. And we know how poorly they had been performing. So, yeah, I, I'm worried about the Saints. They were a playoff team for mine um, in, in, in that uh, wildcard race. And, yeah, it's a long way back from one and three. So they really need to get things going. And I suppose the saving grace for them is that Delvin Cook might not be there. But in saying that, you know, Minnesota have this incredible record when Delvin Cook doesn't play. Uh, Alexander Mattinson's a pretty good replacement. So, yeah, for me, I think I have to lean the Vikings again. The line, like you said, is probably about right. And 
Uh, no official play on this one for me either, but um, an interesting game to to stay up for or, or or wake up to and and find out the score, I suppose, when getting up for the early slate of Monday morning. Ryan, sorry, just just, yeah, a, go just for a it. reminder, and this is for Nick as well. New Orleans, uh, Philly, uh, Philly, sorry, are in possession of New Orleans's first pick uh-huh. as well this year, so. You know, that could be in that sort of 10, 12 range would be extremely handy for Philly to pick up as well after potentially even winning a Super Bowl. So. Oh, yeah, they, they've they been banking those picks. So yeah. it's all kind of fallen in Philly's hands all of a sudden. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure Nick will be smiling here to hear hearing that again or being reminded of that fact. That's for sure, mate. So good call on that. So we move to one of the crucial uh, divisional matchups we're going to look at this week, uh, one being the Indianapolis Colts. They're hosting the Tennessee Titans at Lucas Hall Stadium. The Colts go in as the three-point favourites in this one, and the total is 43. And they both, obviously, both teams secured wins uh, uh, last week, their first of the season. Of course, as we touched on after the top, the Colts beating the Chiefs from, um, as I said, Matt Ryan, he got sacked five times. He lost two fumbles. He's got the most fumbles in the league, and um, which is a real concern for the Colts who have, you know, historically had such a great offensive line, but it, doesn't quite look the same this year. And, and Matt Ryan being so immobile and, you know, planted to the ground, really. He's He's got cement shoes on poor Matty Ryan and he's been terrorised from defences. But, uh, yeah, a win as well for the Titans who avoided their first 0-3 start since twenty nine uh, 2009, I should say, with that uh, win against the Raiders. They scored the touchdowns on their first three drives of the um of the game and, and didn't do much after that, to be honest, but uh, their lead was enough and they, they held on for the victory. They probably showed a few signs that they, you know, got things moving in the right direction for me last week, using Derek Henry a lot more in the, um, in the passing game and, and using him to, uh, for that check down for Ryan Tannehill. It just took a bit more pressure off him, off those young receivers as well. Robert Woods had his really good game for the Titans last week and, and, and Traylon Burks continues to, to have a good start to the season as well. Their rookie wide receiver. So yeah, they might've found a, found a bit of a recipe for success. The Titans, they've, they've also beaten the Colts the last three times they have played. And for me, I think that start is enough for me to tip me into a play there. So I'm, I'm hoping the Titans can do the job here and, and take, um take the Colts down. I know we've got a bit of a head to head Nick Nye in this, in this division, but as you, as we've touched on off the top as well, I think we have to be worried about those uh, those Jags more so than potentially the loser of this one. So yeah, the Titans for me is a play uh, at plus three, mate. Uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, as someone who's sort of jumped on the Jacksonville bandwagon the last couple of weeks, I'd be happy to see these two teams sort of beat their brains out and hey, even get another tie <laughs> happening in there as well. Just with Matt Ryan, he is coming up. Tennessee uncharacteristically past DVOA, they're ranked 26. So this is a kind of game that Matt Ryan, if he is even somewhat reminiscent of the old Matt Ryan, we should be able to see it here. Um, but hey, look, again, this one's going to be in, uh, all the games have been tight this year and the, it's priced accordingly, right? This very match. So I don't have heaps of confidence either way. Yeah, understandably. So with the, uh, the form the teams have showed so far through the first three weeks of the season. And speaking of poorly performed teams, however, they do sit in front of the win-loss ledger, and that's the Chicago Bears. They're somehow 2-1 and one against another 2-1 and one team, and that's the New York Giants. They play at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the Giants go into this one at minus 3.5, and, and the total on this is only a measly 39 points. What do you think, James? Yeah, I'm strong on the Giants here. I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned 
with Chicago. I know it's a 2-1 start, but this is on mm. multiple levels not what they would have wanted. Winning's cool, but <laughs> they want that number one draft pick, and I want a very high draft pick, and they're sort of stumbling into these wins. And on the, on, on the flip side, they're not getting that development out of fields. So even if they were zip three and getting amazing progress out of fields, they'd take that. But they're winning, which they don't necessarily want to do, and aren't seeing anything really happening with fields. This is a really cool stat I saw as well, Ryan. Uh, the offensive line is holding Chicago together, okay? So they have 2.8 seconds per drop back, which leads the league heaps of heaps of time. Yet they lead the league in actually being pressured. So I, whether he is... <laughs> Whether he's not getting it out of his hands, whether he's he's not getting the reads right either, whatever's happening there is melting down, whether he's just completely no confidence, whether it's a receiver issue, whatever's happening in Chicago, I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, on the flip side for the Giants, if there is something amazingly encouraging for everybody to see real talent thrive, and it's the Saquon Barkley show as well. I think any football lover is loves to see this man play and loves to see this man healthy. He's a beautiful footballer to watch. It's like Pac-Man on drugs or on steroids or whatever it is. <laughs> just a, a really wonderful player to see. Um, just a quick price out there. He's $16 most rushing touchdowns for the season as well. So something to keep your eye on because he is their offense. He's everything. I'm not a Daniel Jones man at all. Um, Brian Dable's really smart. He's putting in good spots. I think Saquon's also favorite for comeback player of the year as well. So both Nick and I really loved the price of him at the start of the season, and we'll touch on it next week. But we both um, took him at I think it was around eighteen dollars uh, yes. for comeback player of the year. So that was something we both really liked. And so far, he hasn't let us down. He's had an amazing first three weeks, which is great to see. And uh, I've been high on the Giants. I, I thought they would improve sharply, and to be honest, was pro- quite disappointed how they performed on Monday night against the uh, those Cowboys. And, and look, I know that Cowboys defense was incredible, thanks to Micah Parsons and to Marcus Lawrence, which we've already kind of talked at in nauseam. But Daniel Jones didn't play great, more the offensive line than the receivers, to be honest. They just gave Daniel Jones no time whatsoever. And he made some really good throws under pressure, to be honest. And, you know, he used his legs when he needed to. He still rushed for over 70 or 80 yards. So I think Daniel Jones was, was solid, very solid against the Cowboys. That offensive line, though, for me, was the big worry. And, um, the shining light again, though, was Saquon Barkley. And look, the Giants should get away with this and and, and take take control and beat the, the Bears. And like you said, and it's been a concern of mine ever since I saw Justin Fields come to the league, is that he just hangs on to the ball for way too long. And I know he's a run first kind of quarterback, but when when the when the offensive line is giving you that time, and, and that's an amazing stat you shared there, James. If you're getting three seconds, that is like an eternity for a quarterback. And he the fact that he just can't find that connection. Like you said, it's either the reads. I don't know if it's those receivers because he's got he's got enough talent there. I mean, Darnell Mooney was supposed to be have a, a breakout season and and Cole Met um, is um, a really promising tight end as well. And they've got a few other receivers that uh, on that squad. So I just for me, it's just Justin Fields lacking that confidence at the moment and he's just hanging onto the ball for far too long. So the offensive line will give him chances again to succeed this week. We know David Montgomery is likely to miss, but... You know they've got a they've got a bit of a diamond in the rough and Khalil Herbert who showed plenty as a rookie last year and he again performed amazingly last week and and pretty much won in that game single handedly so look not a betting game at all if you had to for me a play might be the unders I don't think I see a whole lot of points in this one but 
yeah, it's probably a stay out at this stage for me, mate. Uh, and I, I assume it's probably the same for you. No, I, I'd I'd be inclined to take the points. The Giants, the yeah, I, I think they're significantly better. Quick one for you, Ryan. Question without notice. This time next year, uh, are these two guys starting for their respective teams at quarterback? Yeah, look, Justin Fields. I don't believe he will be. Um, and as you said, if they are going to the draft this year, which you believe they will be, then they probably will be looking for that that quarterback with this experiment potentially. Coming to a close with Justin Fields. Um, for me, Daniel Jones, it was the make or break year and Nick and I touched on it in our preview shows. And I, I believe in Daniel Jones. I think he's he's a good enough quarterback. This has to be his year, though, if he is to stay there. So if the Giants can come away with a winning record, which, you know, it's still a long way away, but um, I thought seven or eight wins was in it within the Giants this year. And, and look, if they can get to that point, it's, it's a really interesting discussion, but It'll be how they get to those seven or eight wins, I suppose, and, and how well Daniel Jones plays. So I'll sit on the fence on that one, but I'll, at this stage I'll lean to yes. But, um, yeah, it, it, they'd have to obviously go after a free agent because um, I still think they're going to be that middle-of-the-road team. So potentially a quarterback in the draft might not be the way to go. Imagine bringing Lamar Jackson into a Brian Dable type offense in that city in that franchise that would be, be cool very exciting yeah it's a good segue go into the next game we've got <laughs> on the schedule here buffalo at baltimore huge game potentially one of the matches of the week and the bills go in as three-point favorites which you can imagine the bills will probably start favoriting in probably all but all their games they're going to play this season and but this one's going to be a really fun one. The, the Baltimore Ravens obviously coming off an incredible performance again by Lamar Jackson, who's, I think I read during the week, he's accounted for 80% plus of their total yards this season, which is just ridiculous. He is, he's started the season incredibly well. And yeah, this is going to be an unreal game. Hopefully lots of points as we can imagine with these two scintillating offenses. And again, like I said, it was the Lamar Jackson show um, last week. He only had the 218 passing yards, but they included four touchdowns. He added another score with his legs, a second uh, straight game for 100, over 100 yards rushing. And um, we saw the incredible stat line um, that Buffalo put up against Miami, but somehow couldn't get the W. They had um, almost 500 total yards. They had two-thirds of the possession in terms of time as a possession, but the offense just couldn't quite get over those, you know, third and shorts and fourths and shorts and, and had to settle for a field goal a couple of times. So... Yeah, it's going to be an absolutely uh, massive game. And like you said, even even though this is obviously a seven-day break for the Bills, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they um, they butter up against um, the Ravens here on the road, coming off that incredibly hard game against the Dolphins. It's not something we used to say about Baltimore, but it is now. It's a concern as its defence because this is not very Baltimore-esque. It's all about Lamar. It's all about the offence. And then totally middle of the pack. Look, last week, Ryan, Patriots dialed up about 400, 450 yards of total offense mm. and 28 points or whatever it was as well. The Patriots, who were one of the worst offenses in the league, um, only late did, did the Ravens escape that. So it's a real concern against the probably best offense in the league coming in um, and how they can slow this juggernaut down. Not sure, not sure. I mean, Miami got out of it kind of luckily last week. Mm. He plays that Josh Allen didn't convert on. I don't know if Baltimore are going to get as fortunate again this week. They're a really interesting team, though, long because look, we could equally be saying Baltimore could 
be really fringe playoff contender, or they could win the AFC. You know, there's a real, it's a quite elastic what this yeah. potential is. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, and I, I think yeah, the Bills will bounce back in this one, and and especially with that offensive line being so depleted for the for the Ravens. So you know, obviously Lamar Jackson has those incredible evasive skills, and he can he can make throws from you know impossible positions like um, few others can, but. Yeah, surely against that defensive front of the Bills and that electrifying offense, it might be a bit too much for the Ravens in this one, mate. So, are the Bills an official play for you, James? No, no, no. I'd, I'd be slightly inclined just to take the points of Baltimore and Lamar, like anytime at home as well. Yep. You're not going to get too many shots ever um, to get plus points with Lamar. Um, so, it's a bit slight lean to taking the points. <laughs> Well, we head into one of the more lopsided matches of the week after that one, and that's the uh, LA Chargers at the Houston Texans. Surprisingly, though, the Texans are only five and a half point outsiders, and in this one, the total is forty-four and a half. And as we've touched on off the top, the the Chargers are are reeling. They're obviously coming off that two-game losing streak. They've got injuries to key personnel, as um, such as Rashawn Slater, as we touched on, and one I didn't mention earlier was Corey Lindsley as well. Um, the others, Guyton, obviously, I mentioned it, and Justin Herbert, of course, is severely compromised still. Um, they should get Keenan Allen back, but, yeah, it's it's a huge game for the Chargers who could see their season start to slip before their eyes if they aren't able to uh, square the ledger here and get back to two and two. And, and they just need to get more involved in the run game. <clears throat> Austin Eckler's been incredibly quiet. They've fed Sonny Michelle a lot more than they should have, I think, but he's every chance to get more of the ball this week with a, against the Texans' defense that has just been turnstiles in terms of um, the rushing yards that they've allowed. Um, 136 more, 136 more rushing yards than any other team over the last over the past three weeks. So um, that's going to be the key thing for for the Texans is stopping that run. While the Chargers should be trying to ground and pound them into the dirt here in this one. And um, we know the Texans are still a work in progress. They're one of the only um, undefeated teams. Uh, sorry winless teams. They obviously have that tie, unlike the Raiders. But, um, yeah, you can't really see them making an upset here in this one. Or can you? Not necessarily for the win, but I think they could actually cover. I just have no confidence in the Chargers at the moment. Mm. And Houston's kind of a Lovey Smith template is actually coming through. I know they're very vulnerable against the Rush. Actually amazing against the pass. Ranked third um, in terms of opposition quarterback passer rating. Um, and are only giving up about 55% of passes as well. Big impact from Derek Stinley Jr. as a rookie as well. I think he's been out on the field for 95% of the plays as well. So he's a sort of defensive rookie of the year candidate. I know these D-backs don't make heaps of noise in terms of they're not getting the sacks and they're not front and centre, but he is taking away that half of the field. Um, So slowly, slowly, slowly something. It was a really cool draft choice by Houston, even coaching-wise as well. I know we've got kind of maligned, but Lovey does have a role to play in this league. Um, it's good to see him in it, especially with Houston. And I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens with a sort of, you know, injured Herbert and who knows what's happening there um, and could could get the points. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting matchup. And incredibly, last season, these two teams played one of the most wild matchups uh, the fourth quarter alone had 38 points in it as um, Houston came from behind and and beat the Chargers 41-29. I'm not sure if we'll see a, a too similar scoreline this week. Uh, but, yeah, one to keep an eye out for. And, and yeah, the Texans at, uh, at that plus might be a play there. 
Uh, we move on to the next game. That's Seattle at Detroit. Detroit are four and a half point favorites. And you can make the case Detroit could even almost be undefeated somehow. They they obviously they pushed the Philly uh, Philly Eagles that they were behind in you know majority of the game, but they they made a play late in that one to potentially snatch it. And then obviously last week they did what Detroit did plenty of the time last year was you know snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory once again and. Another brutal loss for Dan Campbell and his men, but I think they should get back on track here against the Seahawks. They're rolling on offense. They're averaging, you know, the second most points in the league at 31.7 points, 409 yards per game, which is third. But their defense is, you know, that's where they've been letting themselves down and giving up almost identical numbers across the board there. So uh, that's going to be the one for for Detroit. They've obviously lost um, Tracy Walker as well, who's who suffered a season-ending um Achilles injury as well. That'll hurt uh, the the Lions. But the Seahawks, they they started well last week against the Falcons before kind of going off the boil late in that one and, um, you know, potentially dropped a game they should have won in the end. But I think Detroit, um, they have too many weapons on offense, especially when you compare it to what the Seahawks have got at the moment. And I think the quarterback battle uh, is even slightly favoured towards Detroit in this one, mate. What do you think? Love Detroit here. This would probably be my play of the week in terms of them covering comfortably. And I also like them for the playoffs at about $4.20 to still to still make those playoffs. Amazing offense, high-octane offense. A couple of other little prices floating around. Amon Ross and Brown, $51 most receiving touchdowns this year. Um, I think he's already on three, maybe four. So that's four leads it. Um, this offensive line is as good as any team in the competition, um, giving amazing thrust to everything. You hit the nail on the head in terms of their vulnerability is absolute defense. There's no mm. stars, no major production, they're conceding points. Yet, what is Seattle going to do against it this week? And what are the Patriots going to do next week against it either? So I think all of a sudden Detroit should be able to turn that 1-2 into 3-2 on the season. And then that's when their season will start. Um yeah, I really, I really, really, really pro on Detroit. They're given this amazing offensive line. Goff looks a different quarterback behind yeah. it. This dual two-headed running back sort of system. I know DeAndre Swift is carrying an injury, might not play this week. But yeah, huge on Detroit this week. And over the season, yeah, I think they're building something pretty cool there. Yeah, uh, look, who would have thought you would be saying this about the Detroit Lions? And it's actually great to hear hear the optimism about them and you know they've been such a, a poor franchise for so long obviously they had a couple of strong years with Matthew Stafford making the playoffs but they never really you know they never obviously got over the hump by winning one of those games and yeah it'd be great to see the Lions back in the playoff hunt this year and, and you know in what looks still potentially be an open NFC North at this stage as well so um, yeah I think like you said I, I, I see the Lions bouncing back here so I like your confidence too, mate. I might have to might have to jump on. We could even make that um, the podcast lock of the week and get someone else's opinion because Nick and I obviously have no clue. So it'd be good to the winning one up there, mate. So love the confidence. Uh, the next game we move to is, of course, the um, just lost my run sheet here. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars at Philadelphia Eagles? Two impressive teams. Doug Peterson's return to Philly, the the, the city that he brought a Super Bowl. The Eagles go in as the biggest favourites of the week, though, at minus six and a half. And look, they've been lights out, like we said. Uh, they've been so impressive. And Jalen Hurts has just been, um, you know, MVP caliber form. The running the running game's working well in Philly. The receiving game now with 
AJ Brown there. And of course, Devontae Smith had some two huge weeks, including uh, last week, where he had over 150 yards in the first half alone. So, yeah, the Eagles are 3 0. It's the first time since 2016. Um, that dominant win over the Commanders last week, as I mentioned. They also got to Carson Wentz, their former quarterback, nine times, nine sacks, and they also forced a turnover on downs, you know, in two red zone trips. So that defense has been incredible, you know, and like you said, off the top, both sides of the ball have just been humming for the Eagles. And and while we've, you know, been high on Philly, the Jags are doing things quietly on their end as well, obviously, they snapped that incredibly long losing streak on the road last week, 18 games in a row before they they absolutely smashed the Chargers last week. Let's be honest, 38-10 was an absolute shellacking. They had also, um, you know, a league-high eight takeaways so far this season. So that defense is is going well, and, and I know you've been high on it, and I'd love to hear more about it, mate. Yeah, in terms of... There's, there's a lot more aggression. There's a lot more front as well, what they're bringing to the table. And it's mixed in. It helps as well, right? When you have when you're playing with leads and when you're playing with a bit of confidence, and you you can bring a lot more safe in the thought that hey, they're under pressure, they're breaking down, they're desperate in terms of opposition offense. They can get to the quarterback, and that's the way it's built. It's built aggressively. Um, where with the problem coming in this week, I shouldn't say it's a problem because it's a massive test, as it was last week against the Chargers, and they passed with flying colors. This Philly line, though, is a different, different, different beast. This is probably this is I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the offensive line being able to take you so far, and that's why that's why I'm still high on Detroit. It's why I'm still high on Cleveland, but particularly high on Philly as well. Um, so let's see. This is a this is a huge test for Jacksonville on the road against probably the best team in the NFL. This will be a great test of just where they are, and equally for Philly as well. They're not going to have too many opportunities in a regular season probably only 20 25 percent of their games against are going to be against legit playoff contenders so this is one of them minnesota was a couple of weeks ago and they blew them to pieces let's see even detroit that first game of the year detroit did come back and cover and score 35 points so it's all these little tests that philly are going to have to keep passing as we go along so this is probably the most fascinating game of the week along with the rams um so yeah let's 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 get this one on Huge, love it. And you heard it there first, Nick. One of the best teams, if not the best, in the league. Ooh, high praise for your Eagles. They have to be at the moment, though. Like yeah, Brian, it's sure. oh, hard to argue. Hard yeah. to argue at the moment. They are. Hard to argue. As we move on to the next game, the New York Jets at Pittsburgh. The Steelers go in as minus three and a half point favorites. The total is 40 and a half. James, what do you have for us on this one, mate? Oh, these are two junk teams, Ryan. Really <laughs> junk. Uh, this. <laughs> These are these are the kind of teams who were in uh, contention for number one seed, let, uh, number one draft pick. Let's be honest. Pittsburgh, it's really sad to see because they've built. Tomlin is a, obviously an extremely good coach. They've got real skill players there as well. Yet, I don't know what they're doing at quarterback. I think Blind Freddie can see that Trubisky is not the man for it, and surely, surely, surely they should be getting reps into Kenny at the moment. Um, as for the Jets as well, this is one of these teams like Detroit, like whoever. We're kind of Miami for that matter. We want these downtrodden teams to come back, iconic teams to do something. And it's kind of sad seeing them still struggle, right? Um, they got that fluke win late against Cleveland, which I don't know how they got that win, <laughs> especially someone who was on Cleveland, is on Cleveland long term. Um 
Oh God, this is. I'd, I'd probably take the points on on the Jets just because mm. they're available there. But hey, it's a pretty yuck game. Then one that will um will be skipping over in red zone, I reckon, most of the time because there won't be too many action <laughs> highlights. But you're exactly right. I think the the key talking point in this game is well, firstly, if Zach Wilson's going to suit up and we see the end of the Joe Flacco uh, backup role there in the in New York and see how Zach Wilson can actually you know progress potentially in, in year two. And as you said, Blind Freddy could see that Mitch Trubisky is not going to be the man long-term in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, they might pack it in sooner rather than later, especially if they get if they lose this game at home against the lowly Jets. Um, that might be the end of the, the Mitch Trubisky era. But uh, we'll move on to a bit better game and, and one that I'm keen to explore and pick your brains about, especially now that I know you're a, a Browns man in terms of, of futures. And that's the Cleveland Browns at Atlanta. And they are only giving away one and a half points here, the Browns. So that seemed like a low total for me. So I'm hoping you agree. The total for this one is 49 and a half points. So, yeah, the Browns obviously off the long break. They got the job done on Thursday night football. They they took, you know, took their time getting, putting uh, Pittsburgh away. But eventually they did through that um, that run game. Nick Chubb was, was massive, obviously. Uh, another huge performance from him. And he's obviously the leading Russia in the league, uh, an equal first for rushing touchdowns as well. And, you know, they, they are, you know, getting almost 200 yards per game on the, on the ground. So the Browns, and it's been their recipe for success the last couple of seasons with that two-headed monster. Kareem Hunt didn't have to do too much last week, though. They uh, He was more used in the passing game than uh, on the ground. But Jacoby Brissett, while he's had his, he's had his poor moments, one being against those Jets, as you just mentioned, but he's been solid enough in the Browns' defense who, of course, um, potentially have lost Miles Garrett. I don't know what the prognosis on the big fella is at the moment, but obviously was involved in a pretty serious car crash during the week. So let's hope he's okay. But I haven't heard any word if he's going to suit up or not. But, you know, Marcus Mariota, he's getting the ball out of his hands. And, and Drake London, obviously, the first pick taken, or first wide receiver, I should say, uh, taken in the draft, has been an incredible asset so far for, through the first three weeks. Yeah, despite sort of, you know, the really negative projections about where Atlanta are going and how sort of threadbare the roster is, I think Arthur Smith's giving them a lot of hope, a lot of fun, getting it into playmakers' hands and everything like that. So I think a lot of the analytics people are kind of liking what Atlanta are doing in terms of the, the playbook that's being designed there. As for Cleveland, I think they'd be trapped. Like, I, yes, I do like them long-term. I really like the def- I like that balance in this team. I love the offensive line as well. I like that what they can do in defense as well. And look, I know all the off-field stuff is massively concerned. We can't keep overlooking that. Yes, they'll get Deshaun back second half of the year, which is only going to strengthen the team, especially when the, their hard games start happening. They've actually got a really first half easy slate, which is really assisting them. Just in terms of the immediacy of this line, though, the Miles Garrett thing can't be underestimated. If he's not playing or if he's not healthy, I, I would be cautious about taking Cleveland here. Um, but they're just motoring along, as you reference as well. Nick Chubb, for me, coming into the season, is the best back in the competition. There was that stat that they put up in the broadcast against Pittsburgh last week. No back ever in the entire history of the NFL has averaged five yards per carry for four straight seasons. He's a machine, enabled, yes, by that offensive line, but also enabled by really smart play calling in terms of Kevin Stefanski, what he brings to that team. Um, this isn't your grandma's Cleveland Browns. This is a really, this is a good team. Um, I had them for the division going in, and I still think they could edge out Baltimore long-term. 
Um, I don't know, you know, whether that would, you know, whether it's going to sustain them into the playoffs as well, but I'm pro Cleveland. One, we're going to see another tight matchup and that's the Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys. The Commanders obviously looking to bounce back from that uh, dreadful defeat against the Eagles last week, another division rival, but they they looked pretty awful last week, and and the Cowboys looked really good on on good on defense. Uh, on defense, they're only conceding seventeen points per game. It's one of the just the four teams who have held each of their first three opponents under twenty points. So that'll hold them in good stead in this one, I think. And and Cooper Rush will remain undefeated as a, a quarterback in this league. Like Detroit at home against a bad team, Dallas here against a bad team at home, comfortable taking Dallas with the points here. I think they'll cover very easily. Massive concerns for Washington all round. Quarterback, coach, you name it. Playmakers on defense. I don't know what they're doing. Funnily enough, they beat Jacksonville in the first game of the year. Yeah, I was uh, on Jacksonville that game, so that yeah. wasn't too pretty. But me uh, too. Well, yeah. But yeah, like you said, I think um, I think I agree with you, mate. The Cowboys to cover and win easily in Dallas. Uh, we have made to now the seven a.m. slate on Monday morning, so. A perfect time to watch your NFL football as you head into work or get ready. Arizona at Carolina is the first game we're going to look at. The Panthers actually go in as favourites in this one, minus one and a half. And for me, that does look like a bit of an overreaction um, in this one. I, I would be taking the Cardinals, who always seem to perform better on the road as they do at home. And uh, the Panthers have been a pretty... Um, yeah, lacklustre Saints team last week. The, the Panthers' defence looked good. The Cardinals' defence hasn't looked as good. They were better last week against the Rams, but, of course, their offensive was uh, offence was the struggle last week, only being held to four field goals. But they're both both teams scoring at exactly the average uh, at the moment, exactly the same at 20.7 points per game. And, yeah, it's it's been a – the Panthers, though, have, have owned this kind of rivalry in recent times, actually – beat them last year from nowhere. I think they were the first team to beat the Cardinals last year after the Cardinals started, I think, seven or eight and zero, one of those two. And then, so they've won six in a row against the Cardinals, the Panthers. So they come in um, full of confidence in this one. But I think the Cardinals, though, with that, they're just a better franchise. They've got more talent on that offensive side. That's for sure. A lot more talent. And um, if the Panthers are to win, it's going to be done on defense for me. But I think the Cardinals are good enough to score enough points here and, and, and cover that line against the Panthers. I'm also happy to take the cards at the money line as well, mate. What do you think? Two sort of teams like in the AFL equivalent would be around that 10th, 9th, 11th spot, which is no man's land in pro sports. You don't want to be in this complete middle ground. And that's my fear for both these franchises. As for Arizona, Murray's got, you know, dropping back 50 times a match all over the place. The depth of target is really low as well. So I don't know. It's just, again, I'd hate to be an offensive lineman and I'd hate to be a receiver playing with Kyle Murray in that team. It's a mess. I I, I was really anti-Arizona coming in and my sort of non-playoff bets looking good there. Look particularly good when I gave up 47 in the first game of the UKC. Um, And again, when you said there's significantly more talent, I kind of think Baker can lift and maybe even equal that kind of Kyler Murray level in this game. Um, Mind you, this was a game that swung a lot from that price. Pre, when they re-released the lines, Arizona were two and a half point favorites. And because Carolina sort of snuck home, 
against New Orleans. They swung that and made Carolina favorite. Um, probably slight lean towards Carolina, but it, this is no sort of faith from me in this particular game. Maybe something live. Murray's a really cool guy to back from behind. Yeah. You know, like they showed against the Raiders as well, because he's just making stuff up as he goes along. The line blows out, the price blows out, and he's giving you going to give you a really good sight. So he's the kind of guy if they fall behind by ten points, something to think about. Interesting, like it. Uh, we move on to a huge regional matchup this time in the AFC West, and it's the Denver Broncos at winless Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders go in as slight favourites, two and a half points. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, and, and can the Raiders finally break their duck this season? Probably going to come down to. This sort of dodgy Raiders offensive line, can they keep Denver's really good pass rush at bay? That's going to be what everything's going to come down to the Raiders this season for me. And it's not working so far. It's not working for DeAndre. Uh, uh, Devonte, yes. Yeah, complete uh, mind blank there. They've brought in, they, they spent more than any other team in the league for what, for zip three, and they seem to be all over the place. Carr looks to have regressed again. Um, this is probably, again, this is probably going to come down to how much you believe in Russ, right? So, <laughs> but it's going to be one of those scary games because whoever loses this game, there's going to be a lot lot of hand-wringing. Raiders would fall, fall to zip four, obviously, and then Denver in that 2-2, having beaten not much. Yeah, and, and the, Ra- the Raiders have to look forward to the Chiefs next week as well. So yeah. potentially yeah. staring down the barrel at, at 0-5, um, and that'll be in Kansas City as well. But on the flip side, the Denver Broncos, can they score enough points to win this game? They're, they're averaging just 14.3 points per game. Obviously, thankfully, their defense is doing a bit better. And, and you know, their losses for the Raiders, they've only combined to 13 points in total. So they've been competitive and been... In all their games, they should have obviously won in week two. They were probably a bit unlucky against the Chargers in week one. So, look, I think they've, to your point, that the offensive line is is the warrior. And again, Derek Carr hasn't doesn't seem to have given any improvement from last year, where he probably had, you know, a career best season, leading his team to a to the playoffs. And and you know, they were pretty lucky in a lot of games last year, though. They they seem to have obviously flip that this year and being on the wrong end of a lot of close games so far to start the season. But they rank equal 10th for scoring first of three weeks, but that Denver defense is going to be the one if they can crack that. Denver have only conceded 12 points per game, which is um, second best in the league behind the Bucks. So, look, it's like you said, it, it might be down to who who you have more faith in. Is it going to be Derek Carr or is it going to be Russell Wilson, who's shown no chemistry? And for me, I'm just going to take the Raiders' offense in this one, I think, and um, – while it's not an official play, I think the Raiders can can get off the off the um, campus here and, and get to one and three and potentially kickstart their season. But it might already be gone, unfortunately, in that you know hotly contested AFC West. Uh, we move on to the only other seven o'clock slate start, and that is the New England Patriots at the Green Bay Packers. I must have misquoted before saying that the um, the Philly were the highest favourites in this round because it is the Packers. They've got a double digit. Um, start to give up against the Patriots. Minus 10 in this one. The total is 40 and a half. And of course, it doesn't look like Matt Jones will make that trip. Brian Hoyer up against Aaron Rodgers in in Lambeau. It's a pretty tough ask. And what we saw that that Packers defense do last week too, albeit a 
a Buccaneers team without much on the receiving front. But again, it was Tom Brady throwing the football. So I think uh, you take plenty of heart from that Packers team and you you trust their coaches and you trust that franchise to turn things around as they did after that week one embarrassment last year. And they've done it again this year in the next two games, albeit they only beat the Bears in week two. But that was a really, really strong win in Tampa against the best defense in the league on the road. And uh, they got it done. And and Aaron Rodgers usually does find a way. I mean, he didn't get much help from his his rushing game either. I mean, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were barely sided last week as well. So I feel like both of those guys will be heavily leaned on as they were against the Bears. And, and it could be a big day for one of them. You just got to pick the right one. But uh, look, um, Romeo Dubes is obviously emerging as a favorite target for Aaron Rodgers. And he's been really promising to start the season. So I think he has another big game and the Packers get away with a big win in this one, mate. What do you think, James? Ryan, I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that last week, Green Bay were six and a half points to cover this game. And within an hour, that had turned into about nine or 10. And I'm just regretting not getting them six and a half for Green Bay here. I think they'll destroy New England. Really great point in terms of you touched on Romeo Dobbs. I saw a price and I have hit it in terms of uh, total rookie receiving yards for the season. He's paying 15 bucks. I don't think it's an amazingly crowded field this season. And I know he's still about 140 yards or so off the off the actual leader, which is from Garrett Wilson. Um, or must be Alave after last week. Sorry, you're right. Chris Alave yeah. is leading it. Um, and then it's Gary Wilson, Drake London, and it's basically Romeo Dobbs there. And I just think in a four, five horse field, mm. you get 15 bucks off Aaron Rodgers' number one target now. Um, eight targets last week for eight catches and a touchdown. I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to come slowly together. He's the one who's probably going to gonna put most trust in now. Yep. Um, it's really interesting to see the way Rogers is, opera- is operating. Hey, in terms of I think it's the lowest on intended air yards, most sort of checkdowns, most throwaways. He's kind of <laughs> doing this hard pass master routine. Um, it's really fascinating to see, like a sort of pro in action, and hopefully for that franchise, the receivers are seeing what Rogers wants and needs, and it could propel them. But we've said we've touched on it. That conference is really weak. The defense is really good at Green Bay as well. So there's, a, there's another deep run in this team. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's still the class class of that um, NFC North. And yeah. uh, it's going to run through Green Bay. I think if someone's to knock them off, it, it's going to have to be, um, yeah, through Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, of course. So, And the team they defeated last week, they appear on Sunday Night Football once more. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host the Kansas City Chiefs in Raymond Jones Stadium, where they did win that Super Bowl, of course, a couple of years ago. And funnily enough, it'll be the first game since that matchup that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will go in as an underdog, incredibly. And slightly um, surprising to me that they will start underdogs in this one. They're one-and-a-half-point favourite underdogs uh, to the Chiefs, who, of course, lost last week, but were only held to one field goal in that second half, which doesn't bode well for an offence against this incredible defence who have been... You know, they're, they're top four or five in every defensive category, um, including obviously top of points allowed per game. They Look, they obviously get Mike Evans back this week. They should get Chris Godwin back, but they might um, resist the urge to play him um, in, in this one. But Mike Evans back as the number one wide receiver makes a huge difference. We saw what Leonard Fournette, Fournette did against them in that Super Bowl and, and how he kind of 
ran that Chiefs defense into the ground. And I know Patrick Mahomes is incredible and still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But outside of Travis Kelsey, he hasn't got a heap to throw to now. And I'm I'm a little bit worried about that Chiefs um, run game as well. Obviously, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, is struggling. Um, they're not really trusting him. They're giving small snaps to Jerry McKinnon, even though he's not touching the ball. So I think the faith is getting lost in that run game. And I think they need to run the ball if they're going to beat the Bucs. And unfortunately, I don't think they're they're strong enough in that area to do it. So I think the Bucs are a great price as the outsiders at home in this one uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think, James? Yeah, with you 100% on that. Um, I think Tampa could win outright here. I think they'll cover as well. I mean, I think they can cover before they can worry about winning outright. Um, Also with Kansas City, I know they're not setting the world on fire so far, but we see this every year with Andy Reid. He's the opposite. Like, he doesn't put heaps on tape in terms of he's not going to give up all these tricks so early in the season. He sort of builds beautifully. He's the smartest in the business. And I think Mahomes is still obviously incredibly elite and they're massively changing the function of that offense, Um, which is probably, if you can find those spots against Kansas City, like this week for Tampa, although there is a query that it might not actually take place in Tampa, right, because of this hurricane and everything like that. I think it was talking about moving it to either Chicago or Minneapolis, I think it was. So we'll see about that. But, yeah, as it stands at the moment, if um, the game does take place in Raymond James, yeah, I'd probably lean Tampa as well. Yeah, interesting one. If that, if you know, playing in a dome or does it help or hinder either team or under the dome of, of of Minnesota? That'd be interesting to see um, if that changes the line at all. But yeah, for me, I think the Bucks are, are a nice play, especially um, giving up the start and, and and the unders for me appealed as well. Um, and that under in that line was 45 and a half in that one. Concluding the week four is a rematch of the last year's. NFC Championship game. I know we touched on it off the top. It's a huge game, this one. The LA Rams, who have won back-to-back games, coming in to Santa Clara to face the San Francisco 49ers, who have had a dominant record against the Rams. They obviously lost the big one last year, as I mentioned, in the NFC Championship game. But they'd actually beaten the Rams six straight occasions in the regular season um, before that. So the Niners have certainly match up well against the Rams. And as we know, the Rams had to come from a double-digit double, double digit deficit in the final quarter last year to go on um, to win before they went on, to, went on to win the Super Bowl. But last week, obviously, was their best performance of the season against the Cardinals. They held them out of the end zone. Uh, they obviously had, um, um, yeah, a good win against the Cardinals in that respect. In respect, they got Cam Akers more involved. He looked good. I know he had a fumble near the goal line, which would have sealed the game, but... He, he was good, and, and it was good to see him kind of get some more touches. Cooper Cup obviously continuing his rise. I'm still not sure why Alan Robinson isn't getting targeted or looked at. Um, Skoronic was their next best, uh, you know, wide receiver last week. Higby continues to do well, but, yeah, there's just no chemistry yet between Matthew Stafford and Alan Robinson. I'm sure it will come. He's too good not to. But the big concern for me on that Niners offense, obviously we know Jimmy G can be – you know, he's not electrifying, but he, he's he's solid. But he, he just made a few mistakes last week. And that offensive line now without Trent Williams is going to be a lot more shaky. And, yeah, whether they can get that, you know, constant early um, early yards on first down from their run game and Jeff Wilson and the likes uh, be remain, remain to be seen with that, with that gaping hole on the offensive front, mate. So, for me, surprised to see the Rams as underdogs. They actually – the line has moved since I last saw. They were two-and-a-half-point favourites. 
the, the Niners. They're now only one and a half points. So that line continues to come in towards the Rams. But yeah, at this stage, you can still get the Rams plus one and a half, which I think is a really, really nice bet in this one, mate. And I know you're thinking the same lines, down the same lines. Yeah, I think that sort of, uh, particularly for Rams getting that early lead and putting it in Jimmy's hands against a really good defence, or at least Rams playmakers, is going to be the critical element. Uh, With a small lead this year, Rams lead the league for offensive production. You know, once McVeigh can do what he wants, can dictate play, whereas San Francisco, an equivalent situation from behind, are in the bottom third in the league. So asking either Jimmy or previously Lance to do those kind of things is not the greatest recipe. So early, we're going to, this is one of those games where we'll know early what's happening. Um, so that's something to watch, I think. But yeah, I'm with you though. Rams, I think overall are the better team. Um, I'd be taking the Rams here. Yeah, nice one. Really good um, advice around that first quarter, or well, first half, I should say, and see what happens in the game script. And if the Rams can, you know, play from in front, then it might be worth getting on. Live again, if you can, according to our resident expert, James Rosewarn. Thanks, James. I really appreciate you jumping on today at short notice, mate. Um, before we let you go and sign off, we do need to pick a lock of the week, and I know you were keen on a couple. Um, I'm certainly happy to go with one of yours uh, as a confident bet because Nick and I, like I said, we've got no idea. So to have um, someone of your knowledge in the house is very much appreciated. So. What are you thinking, mate? You like uh, Dallas or Detroit as your two probably your best or most confident picks this week? Yeah, particularly Detroit. Particularly Detroit. Like and then Dallas a little bit softer, but yeah, definitely Detroit. Like it. Let's let's lock that into the lock of the week. I'm, I'm all for it um, and ride that Detroit bandwagon, even if they are missing DeAndre Swift this week. So that for all you punters out there, Detroit minus four and a half. Get on that early because once – the punters find out and listen to James's tip here. It'll get smashed in. So Detroit <laughs> beat the Seahawks minus four and a half at home this week. It'd be probably the first time in, in the punt return histories that we're going to ride the Lions in a lock of the week. But what better time to do it than at the moment? So, yeah, thank you so much, James, for your help, mate. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we let you go? No, that's about it. Just really enjoying the season so far and hopefully it just continues. We've got... 12, 13, 14 more weeks of this sort of wonderful sport to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well said. Well, thanks again. And thanks, Thank though, for wrong. listening. I'll sign off with, I won't sign off with the Go Birds, but I'll give you a Go Bills.